right, everybody. Welcome back to another week, Ghost in the Scene. I am your host, Gio. I am back with my co-host, Rob. Rob, we are officially in the month of October. How are you feeling? How is, how is the energy over there? Yeah, I mean, it's spooky as ever, right? I mean, I, I have to take every precaution as I can because this is shaping up to be one of the spookiest spooky seasons. Um, you know, and I just want to make sure myself and my loved ones are safe. You know, my, my wife and I are celebrating one full year of marriage this year. That's 365 days. So we're getting pretty close to our 366th day. Uh, that, that's pretty charged. You know, Very. that's that's 666, six times. Math heads, obviously, you already know this. Um, so... Uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta watch out. You know, there, there's a lot of energy going on. Uh, there's been lots of fires. So we've moved to the desert. Uh, not, not a tree in sight. So uh, those trees aren't going to get us. Yeah. And you can see that, you know, there's no forest spirits lurking around, no tree sprites. It's just clear skies. It looks like the desert's nice and hot, but you're looking good. And congratulations, of course, the ritual of one year that is a huge accomplishment, and now you have more power to you know, imbue any ritual that you have with the love of a year's worth of marriage, which honestly, that's another benefit of, of marriage, is you get to combine the spiritual energies and use that power as a couple, and that's why they call them power couples. Like We had a whole, a whole show about this before. But now we're seeing this in, in real time with Rob, and that's great to hear. It's, it's good to see that this ritual is, is going strong. Oh, yeah. I mean, we couldn't have had a better placed ritual because this is the kind of magic when you know when, when a spell goes right, uh, it gets stronger with time. And like any spells, you know, you don't just do it once. It's something that you have to keep repeating to keep that that energy up and each time you're doing it you know you you know I, I, again matt i i'm preaching to the choir here but the when you look at the logarithms right you go a little bit each time you do it, it exponentially increases that power so uh and i would like that you know if all of us all, all of our listeners out there that are spell casters you know major minor spells especially major spells you know those are things that you gotta you gotta keep up and and maintain it's it's a daily habit it's not just a once in a you know while kind of thing especially if you're a practicer of, of magic you have to be doing it every day it's like you if you don't use your powers somebody's going to be using them right and if it's not you who is it who's using your power and so you have to keep that in mind when you have the amount of power that we do that's why we do this podcast to be honest is because we have all of this pent-up spiritual energy and if we don't use that we'll have demons and you know angels coming to us and asking us for our help in holy wars that we you know obviously want to stay neutral in a lot of the time because we are ghost friendly and in the month of october you want to make it more inclusive than just ghosts ghouls goblins mummies i mean we're talking the cryptozoological alphabet we are friendly to the point of if you're causing harm to others, of course, then we're not so friendly. But I mean, you have to leave room for people that are good and not just people, but creatures. 
So that this is the month where I think we finally open up the the door to not only just vampires, the, our future, you know, friends, but we could also do it to interdimensional beings. We could do it to the spirits of the trees. You know, it's not their fault that they're on fire. But of course, you know, we have to find a way to uh, make a happy medium. I think the Wizard of Oz, the, the, the yellow brick road, that's, I think gold has something to do with it. Some kind of conductivity between us and spirits. So this is something that I think we have to do in October is make that bridge. And I'm, I'm glad that we're finally here in 2020 and we're able to talk about this. And there's an entire community of people are, that are out there right now. And they're talking about this right now too. Talking about the TikTokers, all of the all of the witches that we have encountered on TikTok, Rob, I'm I'm telling you, it, it feels so good to hear my my voice, your voice, in other people's mouths. It, you know, to finally hear the community speaking our language, it just is just so nice, so gratifying. How how have you you know been encountering some people on TikTok, and have you found any any interesting evidence? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean. I just want to give a shout out to the whole community, the whole street team. Like this is giving us access to you like never before. Uh, so thank you, you know, first and foremost for keeping it going strong. Uh, it's so inspiring. You know, people that are communicating with the dead, people that, you know, are noticing the signs, mm. right? That are looking at things that we look at every single day and seeing the true meaning within it. You know, there's symbols. We're being constantly being fed these symbols that are just kind of passed off. You know, this is just kind of something that's normal. This is just like an ad. And it's your eagle eyes that are sniffing it out. Um, so good eye sniffing, everyone. Mm. Um, I, I just want to give a big shout out to just the whole scene out there. How about you, Gio? I mean, when I tell you that there is proof beyond a reasonable doubt out there and it's just if you want to remain in your in your sand hole that you dug your head in that's up to you you want to get sand in your nose you know and especially if you're in the desert it's easier to do that go ahead but the real truth is out there and it is literally on tiktok people are showing their evidence i mean i saw something and the the, the saddest part is that some people get bullied into you know making their their videos private unshareable which is just, I mean, you see it and you want to share it and you can't. I saw a chair levitating. This man, he, he was taking a selfie and then the video shows, he's look, he looks behind him and all of a sudden and you see a chair and it just lifts up off the ground and moves. And like, it, not, it, it didn't do it for 10 seconds, of course, but it like hopped. No reason to do that. This is evidence of the paranormal, and we saw it. We saw it in in the astral world. It's here. It's in. It's in this world, and finally, we we get evidence. Finally, we can tell other people that we're not crazy, even though we knew that. I mean, I know you know, and in fact, we had a conversation recently, which is just another beautiful kind of a moment of awakening. The community in all of it because really we're not the only paranormal podcast and it's it's rough to think that we we have competitors out there i don't think it works that way 
but we're not the only ones that are that are sharing this kind of content and to finally have a conversation with uh, people that understand the this side of of the you know the microphone was truly inspirational we got a conversation with the boozed podcast uh sydney and camille were gracious enough to have a conversation just about the paranormal and podcasting in general rob you hooked this up and i gotta say this was a great conversation that we had so i want to thank you for that of course yes and thanks to sydney and camille for being open to speak with us and booze pod uh that whole that whole team you know it's really easy right now to try to that where you know people that are as famous as all of us right being podcasters that we try to have our little own fiefdoms if you will right we think we're all lords of our own manners but no like there's so much more uh that we can learn from each other and i think this conversation is a great example of that and to show that like that power dynamic is just total bs right mm -hmm. I mean, we're experts in our field right and that comes with hard work that comes with you know the validation of all of our fans but it's not the end all be all and the only reason why we have power is because you out there are listening to us and not just listening to us but teaching us mm. as well so really great moment for all that um i really hope all of you out there uh enjoy the conversation as well and are inspired to to reach out to your community and of course listen to the booze podcast because the information that they're giving out is legitimately shocking it'll turn your hair right on right on up turn it white like the bride of of frankenstein so this is uh, exciting stuff and like you said it's not you know fiefdoms think of it more like a like an interconnecting web right we have a web but a web is not a wall you can air goes through ghosts can go through and that's the beauty of it we are now expanding and now they are in the scene and we're in their scene so that's exciting so let's get to the conversation with the boost podcast sydney and camille here we go Okay, everybody, we are here, a special edition of Ghost in the Scene with Camille and Sydney of the Boozed Podcast. How are you two, um, Camille, Sydney? How's it going? Hello, I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing well as well. <laughs> Thanks for having us on. Thank you. Cool, very cool. So this is a, a very rare occasion. We never really get to speak to our peers. You know, usually we're, we're speaking to paranormal deities, ghosts, we're talking to Satanists, vampires, but it's, it's rare, rare, a rare occasion that we get to talk to people that actually are on our side, looking from our perspective. Mm -hmm. You're a podcaster, you're both podcasters. Um, allegedly human. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. So cryptozoological, zoological, <laughs> maybe. Right, right. And so you, you've been doing this podcast for, I think, the anniversary just happened, right? One year yeah, old? Yeah, one year old. Technically, it's Saturday the 3rd, but, you know, the way calendars work and all that. Um, <laughs> it's today, I guess, kind of. So we did celebrate today since we release on Thursdays. Um, but, yeah, it's been a year of, of 
produce uh what's the word I'm broadcasting is that the right word to use in podcasting yeah. broadcasting yeah podcasting maybe podcasting yeah releasing <laughs> episodes yeah um right. so we've been releasing episodes for a year now we've actually been doing the show closer to two years because we spent a year almost just getting guests and building um our catalog of shows in order to have the freedom to release them as needed and not always have to scramble to have a recording uh, because both of our schedules were such where we just needed to plan ahead. So two years pretty much of doing the podcast altogether, but only one year being uh, live. So yeah. Wow. I mean, you were live the whole time, but <laughs> I, I get what you mean. That's incredible. I mean, a whole year of work, of preparation to then give yourself the breathing room that it takes to, to, to man the ship of this. This is an intense experience being, you know, pe people that have to continuously post and continuously mm -hmm. be involved in the paranormal. I mean, I'm not sure how many times you've gotten possessed or, you know, a ghost has come knocking, but I mean, plenty of times on our side, we've had to, you know, take some breaks just for the sake of our mental health because there's just too many ghosts sometimes. You know, mm -hmm. only a few, most, most of our spirits um, are the alcoholic kind. Oh my God, yeah. Because um, uh, we do ask our guests to come on and be drunk while telling us their paranormal stories. So uh, a lot of managing that kind of um, paranormal behavior, the drunken paranormal behavior. So, but there's, there's been a couple of little instances here and there where uh, there's been a noise in the other room while recording yeah. or- A few gremlins. Yeah. Something, I think the other day I was editing and I kept feeling something crawl up my leg the whole time and it just really? eked me out almost every time I'm editing I either hear a weird noise or feel something physically that just kind of gives me the willies and that's why we do this you know that's <laughs> that's really why we do these kind of things I think I, I, I'll, I'm speaking for myself but you know I've always wanted to be more in contact with ghosts I've always you know wanted to deepen my relationship and that's kind of why I started you know, this whole podcast with, with Rob was to just kind of explore that side of myself and, and to see what was out there. Mm -hmm. um, after hearing so many people tell you their story, you know, not, you know, through a filter, completely drunk, what's <laughs> the scariest thing you've heard? Oh, gosh. Um, so a, a lot of times people are bringing us stories that are well-known stories. Uh, so urban legends, um, paranormal experiences that are kind of a popular. So like La Llorona, we have uh, oh spontaneous human combustion. Uh, there's a local one about the woman at White Rock Lake, which is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we are. Um, so uh, occasionally, though, people will bring us their own little tidbits here and there. That's usually part of the show is we ask them what their personal experiences are as well. And I have to say, the, the for me, I don't know about for Sydney, um, but for me, we just recorded an episode about a week ago that will be coming out on Halloween because it is the freakiest story we have had so far. I am like, I was sitting there like, my jaw, I was smiling the whole time because my jaw was literally clenched. I was just on edge the entire time he was telling me his personal story of mm. his ghost encounters. So I don't want to give any of it away. You'll have to tune in. Of course. Um, but yeah, it's, 
I think it's especially weird. Uh, I will say another really kind of good one is um, our guest Aaron went to the Stanley Hotel and he and his wife had an experience with uh, a pot, um, a dum-dum candy lollipop. Yes. Spinning in his, his wife's, uh, his hand uh, because one of the, the entities there was moving it. And that was when he, I had known him for years and I had never heard this story from him before. So when he told me this, again, just one of those jaw-dropping moments of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. So I don't know, Sydney, do you have like anything? I think for me, um, it's between the spontaneous human combustion and my story of the little girl who was being uh, haunted by uh, demons of the past or uh, yeah, entities a, of the past. Cause she was, was it a, a witch named Maria or, or Maria was being. Yeah. She was being haunted because in her former life, she was a, an evil witch that had tortured all these people. And so she was well, then a, a little girl in the future. And then they were, they tortured her to the point of suicide. So. So oh, they, they held a grudge oh, for yeah. that long. Yeah. Wow. Serious grudge. Yeah, that's pretty scary. That's that's pretty <laughs> scary. I I if I had an issue with my past life, where <laughs> the ghosts from my like if if I was that bad in my past life, I mean I guess I would have to understand. You have to be truly evil for ghosts to continue to haunt you, even after you reincarnated into somebody else. Yeah, yeah, she was like she was like what nine or ten years yeah, old. Yeah, she was she was like a child. <laughs> so oh, that's, that's what made it yeah. even so, worse. Like I get it, but also those ghosts were kind of assholes. So <laughs> just yeah. So dick move. Right. So what clued them off that this was a past life? Did, did was there like a did they have a seance or a exorcism of, of sorts? It literally the story just started with her and her family moving into this new house in a new town, and all of a sudden. Uh, things in the house started to move. They were throwing household objects at her. Um, there was something about 50 needles just appearing in her leg or something like that. So they don't say exactly how they tracked down that this was the same witch that was possessing them, but mm. they they went for it. That's for sure. The needles must have been like an uh, angry porcupine, some kind of porcupine <laughs> ghost. Maybe. Very, uh, very disgruntled nurse ghost. Yeah, very <laughs> couldn't find the the vein, which is continuously <laughs> oh just like now it's happened is, to me a few times. That's terrible. That is horrific. That is the true horror. Yeah, of the day. <laughs> Modern nursing is is scarier than any, any <laughs> paranormal experience. Yeah. Anytime yeah. they look at my arm and say, "Oh, you have small veins," I just say, "Oh no." Oh. oh okay. <laughs> like, did you drink water today? And you're like, "Oh God, how oh, much water no. did I drink today?" <laughs> So, okay, the drinking spirits, getting getting drunk. There has to be something, right? They call it spirits for a reason. Mm. Now, um, when it comes to the the paranormal, what spirit do you like to drink the most? What's your what's your go-to drinks? Um I'm I'm a we like to call them brown liquor ladies on our show. Uh I'm a whiskey drinker. Mm, okay. So anytime I can have, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm just thinking of a story that we just, uh, I was, it's in our episode today, so it's like fresh on my mind. So, mm -hmm. but I enjoy whiskey, flavored whiskeys, uh, old fashions, 
that that is my spirit of choice for okay. sure i think for me it's 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 still the pickleback i haven't had one in a long time whoa but there's there there's a true honesty that comes over me after about three of those so so disgusting i mean <laughs> not bad you liked it it's that that's more like a potion than anything i think yeah yeah the pickleback yeah. true concoction when you want yeah. information from someone the modern day <laughs> truth serum okay yeah <laughs> do you all have preferred spirits of your own um I mean, I don't drink that often. I, I used to go to like a comedy club once a week and that was the only time I would like in, imbibe in, in alcohol. But I would get a vodka soda with a lime. It's a classic. Classy. I, I just love the, the vitamin C. It balances out the, the alcohol. So it's, it's kind of like a healthy drink. Mm. And I would have that as well. Actually, whiskey makes me ill. I can't have any of it. Oh no, really? that's so sad. <laughs> like allergically ill or just ill in like a sense of uh i don't think i'm allergic i don't know maybe maybe i am because it's like it comes right back up oh, oh wow God. okay that's no, maybe that we, we were talking with me whiskey it's i get giggly i get loud and talkative and then well, i get touchy-feely and then i fall asleep <laughs> that's about that's the extent of it yeah, that's pretty much me on on my vodka soda. I I I get very laughy and then very sleepy, like within like two hours. It's it it's just pretty much how I go to on Sundays. That's how I would go to sleep. Yeah, oh, very nice, nice tradition. Yeah, honestly, I think when when we talk about like traditions, raising glasses, toasts, all of that kind of thing that kind of surrounds drinking, the communal aspect of it, it does feel way more like a ritual. And it does feel way more like it's some kind of history of millions of people doing this over time, you know, to hell, they say, you know, but like, what if that's an actual spell? Yeah, the salute or what's the one where I know we do it, or I do it a lot. It's where after you toast, you put the glass to the table and then you take your drink. And I heard a story, I don't remember if it's true about the source of that being, uh, it came from this guy and he had some sort of injury. I don't know if he was a soldier or something, but um, every time, you know, holding the glass would be difficult for him while people were doing their toast. And so out of respect, everyone just started putting their glass down in that moment so he could get a grip on it again and then take the drink. So almost kind of like a, not necessarily a spell, but definitely a ritual of some sort that kind of spawned out of that. Cause now if I don't do it, I feel awkward. Right. Now it's human nature. Now, now it's yeah. a part of, of how we act. It's like another, another like, if you don't do it, it's like washing your hands. <laughs> if you feel weird if you never turn the water off, right? <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever forgotten to turn the water off washing your hands? I'd say almost never for me. I've done that. Okay. And you probably felt weird about it, right? You probably were like, oh, man, that's strange. Yeah, I will go back into the bathroom and wonder why the water was <laughs> I recently, I was doing a bunch of stuff around my house and I was filling up my water pitcher filter thing. And I like to like let it run and just let it fill up slowly. And at the same time though, I had started my washing machine and my dishwasher. And so I left the kitchen and then I went to the living room and sat down and started watching TV. 
And then I went up, I don't know how long afterwards, I went back into the kitchen and the water had been on for the pitcher like the entire time. And I just felt so guilty about like my waste of water. <laughs> and I've done that about two more times since then. So I don't know when I'm gonna learn the lesson, but uh, eventually it'll sink in. I mean, you could just think about it like maybe you're draining and cleaning the sewers with clean water <laughs> for a little, you know, just giving it a break. Just, just giving it that, that Brita clean. <laughs> yeah. And it's filtered. I mean, that's, I think it's, that's a positive. I mean, you know, wasting water is maybe not a net positive, but <laughs> cleaning the sewers is helping everybody. There's that's a brain service. eating amoeba and somewhere in Houston that I heard. In the, mm -hmm. in the tap water so on the loose oh yeah on the loose yeah oh my god okay so we should get <laughs> yeah. some wanted posters out on the streets for, for this <laughs> which is because i remember them saying when neti pots became a huge thing that's why you have to use distilled or boiled water or filtered water for a neti pot because you can get brain worms if you like directly like passing it through your nasal passages but apparently this was just like you drink the water you get the brain worms so. that sounds like a horrible way to die brain right? worm via neti pot like i already have allergies yeah i know <laughs> i can't breathe and now i have brain worms like you don't want to tell anybody that's um, and, and and you won't have to because you'll die do they like come out of your nose when you're sleeping <laughs> no i think worms. they're, they're pretty implanted ears. it's kind of like that book the host where the the little thing is like in the brain and it kind like of like the faculty over. The movie yes the faculty? Okay. oh i didn't see that sorry what uh, it's classic I, it is I a classic it was back when i wasn't watching scary movies and that seemed like a scary movie so yeah it's scary teen movie you know yeah scary yeah. teen like survival movie so, so okay um you you talk about hollywood you talk about movies and stuff right in, occasionally in, we did have a we had a recent episode all about it, actually. So, yeah, this this place Hollywood is is not for the faint of heart. It, it's it's full of ghosts. Gio, um, I don't know how you live so close to all of them. I honestly uh, don't know either. Um, I, I I've been hanging out closer. I've been hanging out in North Hollywood a lot recently, and I I mean I don't have a Geiger counter, but I'm pretty sure there's some radiation le left mm. on me just just from being around Hollywood that close. Wow. I mean, it's, but it's usually the radioactive spiders you have to watch out for, right? That's what yeah. I understand from, There's a higher. from the history books. He's That's a biter. He, he could bite and you could be infected just like, you know, anybody else. That's one, one thing people don't tell you is Spider-Man is rabid. Oh, okay. And he will bite you. That does make sense. What is he That's why they have to cover the mouth. That's why he's he a muzzle. On yeah. people? He's feeding on people half the time. I mean, they don't, that's the, the right. news they don't tell you is that, mm. yeah, he's either capturing you in a big web and then leaving you to the cops or mm -hmm. he's like ripping your head off. Or eating it. Right, right. I mean, sometimes the outcome is the same. Yeah. <laughs> Whether the cops come or it's Spider-Man, so. It's wow. very true. That is very, very true. And him leaving them out for the cops, like he beats them up only for them to be like beaten down by the system. I, I think... Let's cancel Spider-Man. Yeah, Peter Parker's <laughs> yeah. got to go. It's He's done. Yeah, yeah. Toby got Miles already canceled, so that's easy. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, Toby. Wait, what happened to Toby? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of infamous stuff about Toby Maguire that oh. I think you know, uh, stuff about him hanging out with Leo DiCaprio back in back in the day, just being a real man about of the town, but like in a very self-centered, selfish. 
mm. kind of like Wolf of Wall Street or like, uh, mm. you know, psycho killer kind of way. So like that weird strut he does in like the third Spider-Man movie was like just his real life. That's him. They okay, caught him on gotcha. that's an outtake. Got, oh, that makes sense. Told, that tracks. That tracks. I didn't know. I did not know. I, I saw Sydney just nodding in, in, in agreement. What do you know about Tobey Maguire? Um, I remember the strut from Spider-Man 3. And then um, I had heard some stuff about him and Leo. And he's yeah. always kind of presented as just like, I just don't know what's going on with that guy. I'm not sure. What he's is definitely, he doing? He's looking in, into the future. He's looking oh. somewhere else. He's not on planet Earth right now. I can tell okay. you that. Gotcha. He's, he's building his webs, eating humans. Hmm. Yeah, he, he does a lot of method acting. Yeah. So, and I don't think yeah, he's been acting recently, so I think that's been really getting to him, you know? Hmm. Well, definitely be careful on those hikes because the the north hollywood hills because he's out out of nowhere he's out there yeah i mean mean, now they have all these other spider men you know you have andrew garfield you got Mm. a new one about every other year so right and he's british isn't he british yeah he's 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 on the other side of the atlantic infecting people over there it's an epidemic yeah oh god epidemics yeah there's just too many epidemics happening i mean like so that that whole um, that that saying of uh, there's no matter where you are, there's always a spider within eight feet of you. It's actually a spider man who's within eight feet of you, yeah. ready to eat your face. Hollywood made sure of that by making like five Spider Man movies in mm-hmm. ten years. Right, right. They were like, we're gonna we're gonna oversaturate the market. That way, that saying is true in every mm-hmm. continent. I just hope I get the spider that looks like, you know, the spider pig. He seems cool. I, I feel yeah. like he and I would vibe. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of that snarky sense of humor. I, I now, think... This is also, sorry, before we move on, I, this is a tie-in. I was listening to your show. You have talked about pigs a few times <laughs> on your show as well. And some very information, important and relevant information about pigs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I didn't even plan this. See, news <laughs> is the news is getting out there. My mission wow. is accomplished because everyone needs to know. I, I was wondering how many lives you've saved already. Yeah, clearly more than two. Uh, pigs, if your if your listeners don't know already, pigs will eat you. That is a fact. They will look you in the eye with their little snouts. Just, just sniffing about while they devour your face and all your soft tissue and organs. And they don't care. They don't care. They are vicious, vicious creatures. These aren't just spider pigs. These are just like normal run-of-the-mill oh, pigs. Yeah, these are, these are the pigs that you eat for breakfast, seeking their revenge if you are ever in the vicinity of their farm. They will come for you. So they're territorial too. They, they have like a turf. And if you step on their turf... There, oh, goes, there goes your foot. Like that mud, that muddy pig pen, that is, that is like west side, east side. Like you do not want right. to cross those lines at all. Are we saying it's out of vengeance though, or is it? I can't prove that it's not. Okay. You can't say that it isn't. They're, they're, apparently, they're apparently very intelligent creatures. Oh so yeah. who's to say they don't know what we do with them? I mean, they say they're smarter than dogs and they're yeah. cleaner than dogs. Mm-hmm. They can like, they have toys. If you give them toys and you say like, okay, 
this corner is where the toys go after you play with them. They'll remember that and like they've trained they can be trained to to put places like you know so it's not beyond you know the pale of 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 imagination that they would at some point have consciousness and then enact their revenge on on the human race i mean they must know what we're doing to them oh it's coming it's not going to be planet of the apes it's going to be planet of the pigs that's my <laughs> okay i mean I hey, you're calling it this is you heard it prophetic you heard it here this is a prophecy i can outrun a pig can you? You can't. You can't yeah. run a boar. Can you run ten boars pigs? Fast. Yeah, you know? they're going to do that pigs. thing like the Velociraptors did in Jurassic Park. Clever girls, you know, they're mm. just going to be. <laughs> All you got to do is get a, a pipe, and then what are they going to do? Nothing. We win. I'll get like a ladder. I think. <laughs> uh, I think that would be pretty useful against a, a bunch of pigs. <laughs> just climb a tree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So call out to everybody who has a pig um just immediately i i i don't want to say defriend them but maybe just be extra nice to them from now on because Sleep i think with one eye open you have to be aware that you're you're living with a ticking time bomb and uh, you know the, the minute they they decide that you're not worth it to them anymore like it's over it's done and they have really human-like teeth and features i've heard that like you know pigs are used for lots of things and i think it's an extra reason why they'd be angry pigs get tattooed mm -hmm. you know like they say pig skin is so close to human skin that they use them as tattoo like yeah they do uh we kind of talked about that in our our episode uh up in smoke which is our first episode which is the first time i i sought to alert the masses so that's when she started her pig crusade. threat yeah to the pig right. threat and yeah, we talk about how they were used for science, for research, for tattoo artists, because they are so like humans in their body composition. And it's like, you're making, you know, pigs with like anchor tattoos and sailor <laughs> tattoos, or you're making them look all badass, they're hardened. And now, <laughs> you know, they want something, they got something to prove. They so got those resin tats. You yeah. guys are saying we deserve it, is what you're saying. You know, that's why we're trying to to move to alternate dimensions. That's why we're trying to move to the astral plane where we don't need this body anymore. Mm. Uh, let's leave it to the pigs, you know? Our higher consciousness doesn't need to be fed on. You know, we can feed on the giant battery of, of the universe. I mean, Our, Orwell, Orwell tried to warn us already once. Animal Farm. Mm. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they turned more into people. I think he was just describing evolution like mm. the second stage of evolution where pigs become an even better version of man and then if you want to tie it all together you've got charlotte's web which is a pig and a spider look they're all working together oh my god boom, wow. boom. yeah yeah uh, yeah it's there's we, we don't have a chance really at this we don't. point mm -mm. by pig or by spider it's all over for us and i think uh you said it first camille and I think you're going to be in the history books as well, Sydney. Your is your first episode as well, which means that this is a precedent, right? Mm. This is something that they can look back and say, you know what? Before pigs got hot, before everyone was talking about pigs and it was on the tip of everyone's tongue, they'll look back and they'll be like, oh yeah, who said it first? Boost podcast. Yeah, the Boost podcast. That's great. So we have wind that you have a recurring 
ghost character that, that sometimes haunts or visits your show. Ah, uh, yeah. He's a master of, of many things. I just didn't know he was a master ghost. Mr. Bruce Lee? Mm-hmm. Our, yes, our patron saint. Wow. Yes. Uh, Sydney, would you like to, to tell them a little bit more about? Our, our, our ambassador, if you will. He's, he's come up because I think he just maybe wanted to make his presence known in terms of what happened to him how people should know that, but it's okay if they don't, because... Trying to reach a new generation. He's trying to reach a new generation. You know, it's, it's been a while since Bruce Lee left the mortal coil, mm-hmm. but uh, he's, he's still around. I, I feel like I've seen more... I feel like right after that happened, that's when I started seeing that ESPN 30 for 30, for 30 documentary stuff mm-hmm. about him, which I thought was funny. I'm like, he's like... Maybe he's around. Maybe this is heck. He's like promoting his own 30 for 30. He's like getting into the minds <laughs> yeah, of people. Yeah, our podcast. Yeah. I, I understand that. You know, it's hard for, for a ghost that died before YouTube, before, you know, TikTok or Instagram to engage with, with his audience mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not being able to, you know, to access that. I'm sure he looks at Will Smith and is just like green with envy. He just is so <laughs> angry that like he got to be an actor and now he's on YouTube getting like a bajillion views, you know, just being like himself. And he's like, right. I, he wants that more. He wants a little of the action. Yeah. And I'm glad sure. that he, he was able to find, you know, a platform on your show. Yeah, no, we definitely, we welcome him with open arms. Uh, it was unexpected. You know, we don't really expect uh, a drunken paranormal podcast hosted by two black women to be the, the jumping off point for Bruce to make his his uh reemergence, but so glad he did so yeah. glad he did we love him we love uh hearing about him and when he makes his presence known the, the episode is better for it it is well shout out to bruce uh we usually have like a ghost guest and i'm not sure if he's here but if, if he is he's welcome he's welcome to, to to share the good news of of bruce lee to the world through any of our podcasts, because Bruce Lee, he did die in, in a very sudden way. It's mysterious. And I think the mystery is, is greater than just, you know, the, the simple truth that he died in his sleep. There could be an astral tug of war that was happening. Mm. His, his last dream could have been anything, could have been him trying to contact us, could have been his last dream. You know, you never know. Very so it's, it's very interesting to think that you have somebody a literal master of kung fu and he's he's making a comeback you, have you seen cobra kai not yet or, haven't yet there's just like I, I feel like a martial arts revolution is going to happen again and i'm not sure if this pertains to the eventual war between us and pigs or or that's what, what i was going to say i think i think that's what we need maybe that's why he is here to help us prepare for the pig revolution he heard your message he, he heard it loud and clear, and he says, I got this. Clearly, he spoke to Sky. She feels like she saw him mm-hmm. in a movie 10 years ago. Wow. So, really? He's been trying to break through to black women for a while now. I think so. that's what's happening. <laughs> Clearly. Well, if, if Bruce has, has the power to do it, that means that I'm sure there are plenty other ghosts that will be willing to, to be on your podcast, just, you know, like it's just kind of having the ability to, to recognize 
you know, them when they're there. You know, I'm sure a Marilyn Monroe could pop by, you know, mm-hmm. uh, even, even the, that's the one thing that I think is, was phenomenal for us when we realized that there are some celebrities who are living that can project their spirit to you. I mean, we had a great conversation with Paul Rudd one time. Oh, very He nice. didn't say I anything. He just was breathing very heavily. But he is also a vampire, isn't he? Yes. He, like does he just have... doesn't age. So, right. so he's some sort of shape-shifting vampire of sorts. Mm-hmm. Or he's he like and... a clay man or something. Yeah. And Him and Keanu himself. definitely are in that I hope we don't culture. end up finding out that they too have been drinking the kids' blood smoothies that's keeping them all alive. Mm. But, you know, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I'm sure, you know, Leo and him are, are, are out there chugging either like a little baby smoothie, a little blood smoothie. Who knows? Who knows what they're eating? Yeah, a placenta smoothie, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a regular people do that. So. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> that is a thing. That's a thing. I mean, alien placenta smoothie, you know, that's also a thing. I'm sure. Um, so we're getting near the end of our time here. I feel like we didn't have even like nearly enough time to, to talk. So we have to have another conversation soon. Um, Camille, Sydney, uh, is there anything you want to plug? And I know we're getting into spooky season. Um, we're probably going to be airing this the beginning of October. So is there anything you want to talk about, um, in October? Yeah, uh, podcast? absolutely. So it is our anniversary, uh, this week. It's officially October 1st today. And, uh, our, that's boozed pod B O O S E D. And as I mentioned earlier, we have a super, super spooky episode coming up on Halloween. Please make sure you're subscribed so you get that one downloaded to your ears. And Sydney, uh, anything you want to leave with? Uh, just thank you guys for having us. This is—I uh, know we didn't get to a lot of the paranormal, but this is this was an informative conversation. I think. Yeah, it's always good just to make contact, and we can talk about a lot of stuff afterwards. You know. Uh... Okay. Wow, what a conversation we will have. The booze podcast back on and uh, you know not enough time to get into the the nitty-gritty they had some conspiracy theories that they were teaming at the chomping at the bit to tell us but we didn't have enough time to get into that so next time for sure sydney and camille uh, amazing conversation amazing amazing women amazing podcast please everyone check that out now like you know what you just heard was just the tip of the iceberg of the groundbreaking information that we all need to to know so you know i mean thank the lord for booze podcast thank you for camille and sydney because like you know there there's so much information for all of us to learn out there and all of us can only do our parts so it's also our duty to go out and listen to it as well uh to be in the know because we're only doing ourselves a disservice if we do not do that Exactly. Because, you know, like we were saying with TikTok, you know, the evidence is clearly out there. And if you're not looking at it, you're choosing to ignore it. And that's, that's the issue here. You can't, you know, run away from the truth. And the truth is out there. And it's literally in your ears, it's in your, your eyes, and it's in your head. So we, we got to get the truth out there to more people. So uh, thank you once again, we'll have them on. And I think we might even be on the Booze podcast at some point. So look forward to that spirits and everything. So spooky season, 
we talk about this, it's once a year, and there are plenty of times that we get people that want us to investigate movies like we used to. The hard-hitting, in-the-muck kind of investigating where we would, you know, battle ghosts, we would conjure them on screen, and it was, it was pretty taxing on us to do that. But this is the month of October. This is the time where we are at our strongest, where we feel like we can actually withstand the power of, of some of these practices. So, Rob, um, this movie that we're looking at, I think you guys might be seeing the screen if you're, if you're looking at our screen. Uh, we're talking about Poltergeist. And, yeah, it, Haunted House, basically, they, they should have called it the Haunted House movie. But a poltergeist is basically just an actual house that's haunted. Am, am I wrong on that? No, I mean, you're, you're literally breaking down to, it means ghost, right? There's, I mean, this is going back to our, our German friends in the scene, Guten Tag to you all. Mm -hmm. um, specifically, this a poltergeist literally means a noisy ghost. Oh, Okay, so a disrespectful, noisy ghost. That's basically what this movie is about. And I, have, you haven't seen it before, or have you seen it? I've not seen it before. Um, I've, you know, dealt with enough poltergeists in my life. Yeah. So when I saw the title poltergeist, like, no, 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 I know them, right? And you don't see poltergeists really; you hear them, as I was uh, implying right. before. So I was really confused of how they'd make this into a movie. So, in fact, this was a movie made before either of us were even born, the year 1982. And I'm glad that we weren't born when this movie came out because I feel like if it did and I watched it as a child, I might have been sucked into the spirit realm and never returned. Because that, this little girl, and spoilers, she gets sucked into the spirit world. And there is, I mean, she's literally like a part of the house. They have to like go on a TV to talk to her. And that, that's only something that, you know, child stars used to have to deal with, like Justin Timberlake, where, you know, his grandma's watching him on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And she's like, you know, that's my grandson. And no one believes her. That happened in this movie, probably 10 years before that time. So this is uh, almost a documentary, I would say. And in fact, when we get into the truth of this movie, you're going to find out that there's nothing as what it seems. There may be what people think is the, the real story behind the scenes, but even that is not 100% true. And, and we're going to get into what's real, what's not real. And, you know, they say there's a curse on this movie and that anybody, it's like the Macbeth or whatever, you know how anybody who does Macbeth dies or whatever. That's like this, this movie Poltergeist. And you know reboots are happening in this world. This is bound to be remade. So is this the curse happening again? Is there even a curse in the first place? Well, I mean, let's get into it. But I, I think Rob had a, I had a great point. You know, the only way to really start is you got to start at the beginning. So let's start at the beginning of, of this movie. And first, the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer... Is that John Mayer's, like, grandpa? Um, you had an interesting take on this, Rob. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it, we got to look at these films when we're doing these inv investigations frame by frame. Because if you recall, 
uh, when we were originally crunching the numbers, you know, a picture's worth a thousand ghosts, and at 24 ghosts a second, that's like at least a million ghosts uh, a minute that you're looking at. So every single frame is important. So we start off with this movie like a lot of other movies. You know, this is, this is the movie starting to put its spell on you. And it starts off, if, you know, since you're listening, uh, if you think of Metro Goldmeyer, you know, obviously you first think of the lion, if you recall. You know, it's a big lion. Um, but what you may not remember, that there is a spell written just above this lion on a script uh, that looks like a little movie film, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, right? So this is telling you, this, is, this movie is putting this spell on you uh and above it says ours gratia artis hmm that doesn't mean anything to me it sounds like a spell it's because it is all right so take the spell translate it into english art for arts sake art for art's sake. Okay. So immediately we're hit with a with a controversial question. Who the hell is art? And and, and why are we giving him all of our, our art for free for him or them? Yeah, we're not told. Is is that lion art? I mean, okay. Now everybody, if you see what the lion is guarding. What is the lion guarding right under the lion? You have the outline. It looks like, like a man with his arms outstretched right there and, and the mask. And you see what that mask looks like? I don't know if you guys can remember, but the Joker, the cover of the Joker, the song, the Joker, that is the, the mask that he's, he's wearing. So, this is Hollywood. Everything is connected. This lion is guarding whatever deity that mask represents. So if we get to that, we can get to who owns Hollywood. That's just a, a nugget for people to, to chase down. This isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about Poltergeist, this movie. But if you want to do some research, find out who owns that mask. Find out where that mask came from. And I, I will guarantee that some cards will fall down. You will get the truth in the rubble. And you can let us know what you find. But, all right. Art for art's sake. Yeah, let's, let's start this up. Uh, going to... Oh, and then you got a real quick mark right there. Right there, it says, right under mayor, it says mark. Wow. I mean, this brings us back to, to last week. Mark the horse. Yeah. I mean, I knew he was powerful, but I didn't know how deep this went. Didn't realize that he was, he was also being guarded by the lion. It makes sense that a lion could guard a horse. But right there is his name, Mark. So shout out to Mark Loeffler. Uh, who knew that he would show up even in the Poltergeist movie? I think this is a very scary start. So, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press play, and we're going to see the actual first scene of this, of this film. Okay, we're live reacting. All right, here we go. 
What's going on here? There's a hallway. Okay. There's oh my a guy god. Standing at a door. Uh, do you see that? That looks or... like Legos. Uh-huh. Whoa. There's one in the back. Okay. It's a giant Lego collection. I like that. Oh my god, I think it's it's turning its head. Oh, oh. my god. Oh. Directed by 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 Tobe Hooper. This this movie is terrifying. The door just opened by itself. I don't know how it does that. I mean, it must be a ghost. And I and we're looking in here, and you don't see, you know, the person's at the front, way other side of the room. And I know for a fact there's so many Legos. I need the to pause this yeah. real quick. Yeah, I mean, there's so many Legos in that room. It is physically impossible for someone to walk through that without causing irreparable harm to your foot. Exactly. Like it's, it's worse than hot coals. And the production team that went to do that, I mean, they have probably stumps for legs right now. Because obviously, to get to the back of the room, they had to go to the back and then walk all the way through the Legos. It's like walking over shards of glass. So they probably have peg legs right now for all we know. And that's part of the curse that, yeah, sure, everyone, everyone that worked on the set now has a peg leg. But that's not even truly the scariest part. All of that that you saw was stuff that was too hot for the movie. That was the, the extra content before the movie. This stuff that they show you is sanitized. You know, they put a filter over it so that the, the extreme ghosts aren't the ones that go through. You just get the tame ghosts. So that's why, you know, that's why Rob had to show you the real deal, you know, actual footage that Steven Spielberg and Tobe Hooper compiled that they weren't allowed to show the actual public. Right. I mean, and I should have, I should have started off with a, with a warning too, that I'm not showing the known version of Poltergeist. This is the director's cut. All right. And I had to do a lot of digging for this. There was a lot of favors that needed to be done. Hmm in order to obtain this because they don't want this getting out well you know, i had to break into george lucas's house really i mean i'm already feel like i'm saying too much yeah that's but, incriminating but i you know but but screw it like i want all of you to know that this is legit okay well george i know you listen to us um we'll return it as soon as this episode is over we promise Right. I mean, it's, it's not stealing if you return it, right? Yeah, and if we're close friends with George Lucas, then he knows that we'll treat it good. So, Poltergeist was made by his friend. That's why he has a copy. And when we say friend, I think their relationship is deeper than that. I think they have some kind of blood pact with each other. The Indiana Jones movies was a collaborative effort between, you know, Lucas and Spielberg, and they had a blood pact with Harrison Ford. I mean, if you look at them, they all look not a day over 25 years old. I mean, the fountain of youth is real. If you look at George Lucas now, it's like, he looks like a spitting image of a Hemsworth, maybe like a, a Chris or a Liam. And then of course you got Spielberg looking like Paul Rudd. He's forever young, like a, like a young Keanu. I mean, these people and Harrison Ford, He's looking like Chalamet, Timothy Chalamet. They're young bucks. And not to mention, like, Harrison Ford 
Well, I mean, you know, he'll crash any airplane he gets into. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and he'll walk away. That's because of this power. Like he, that's why he crashes them. Mm -hmm. He's he's unbreakable. Right. Just to prove the point to the creator that he cannot be touched. That's why we know it's a blood pact. And when they were at their height, this is the 80s. This is when they were making some of the most iconic films of all time. And truly, this is like the year that Spielberg truly made it to the top. We're talking E.T., the extraterrestrial. He already did movie, uh, you know, fan service with aliens in the Close Encounters movies. But he goes a step further by endearing an entire generation to aliens, to love and adore aliens, to have fetishes, because E.T. was a sex symbol. Everybody knows that. Nico agrees. Nico knows all about how sexy E.T. is and how this household stands sexy E.T. But that's the truth. 1980s children, who had a negative opinion about extraterrestrials? Nobody, because Spielberg made them sexy. And if you didn't know, he wrote the script for Poltergeist. And this is his attempt, in my personal opinion, this is his attempt to make ghosts more approachable because that's that's how you start. First, you make the ghosts approachable, then you make them sexy. So this was his approachable spot. And then of course you have RIPD, where he made them sexy, which I, I don't know if you know that, but he also ghost wrote R.I.P.D. I mean, yeah, and it shows like, you know, not how, how unexact the science is because R.I.P.D. came out much later than, than Poltergeist. Um, and, you know, E.T. wasn't too far away from Close Encounters. And again, we know we're spot on the money because Nico is going nuts over this. And, you know, just think about the power that you have to have. Because not only is he crafting the spell for E.T., but he is also crafting the spell to start the process all over again for ghosts. So this is huge. This is a a huge year. Um, You know, he may have been the Sorcerer Supreme of 1982. I'm going to go out and say it because by the end of this of our discussion here, you'll, you may believe it yourself. Honestly, truer words have never been spoken right there. Nico is, is losing his mind because Sorcerer Supreme, before we gave it to Carrie, I mean, it could have been anybody, a- anybody's game. And that's, he could have held that for years. And we, we would know. We, actually, we're going to have to check um, his scalp because there are some, some signifiers that you could find. In, in the impression in his skull. And I think even if you look at the last Indiana Jones movie, I think it gives it away because it's the kingdom of the crystal skull and the, the shape of the crown makes your head enlarge. Dan Aykroyd, of course, in Coneheads, knew this and was a source of supreme at that time. So I think you just have to kind of understand that at a time when there wasn't plastic surgery that was readily available, where Jim Carrey can now get his head shrunk and change any day he wants. You had to physically 
change the, the shape of your skull over time. And now we don't have to do that. But before Spielberg made a whole movie about his transformation and how he, he got an enlarged skull because of the crown. So Spielberg is no, you know, apprentice, right? Like we said, he is a master and Lucas is a master. So all of these people working on a movie about ghosts was definitely going to change the conversation. But what I don't think that they planned on was the fact that maybe it was too real and too scary for people to normalize just yet, right? I think it honestly took you and I, Rob, to bridge that, that fear, because even when we started, we, we, we had a antagonistic view of it. Now, you know, we opened up the world and everyone thanks us for it. But Spielberg, he showed the, the rawness of poltergeists, of ghosts, of loud, scary ghosts. And I think people got scared. And you have you know, a generation that instead of loving like E.T., they were terrified. And so it's, an, you know, the alternate reality of that is that in another world we lived in a cohabitating ghost world since the 80s you know and i think what this movie did what ghostbusters you know excelled at right they tried to make this movie for kids they added all these kids in it but they sucked a little girl into it she got eaten up by ghosts and a bunch of people died from this movie so i don't think they did a good job you see uh, Dan Aykroyd, he's alive. Bill Murray, he's alive. I think only one of them has passed away, but Harold Ramis. Yeah. Rest in peace to Harold Ramis. But I think he had some, some other Grim Reaper issues to deal with in other movies he did. We, had, we have no idea what you know, his personal journey was. He could have just died from other, other reasons, not because of ghosts, right? It's still you know, too close to call as well. I mean, and of course we have the inimitable Ernie Hudson as well, mm. who's also still with us. So, um, you know, I, we, we'll get back on Harold Ramis. You know, uh, that, is, that is TBD. Yeah. But again, Gio, to your point, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the strength of that movie versus Poltergeist. And I think it has to do a lot with the way that they dealt with the magic. And Ghostbusters, I mean, even in Ghostbusters, Harold Ramis only died recently. Um, so, and maybe at that time he was ready to go to the ghost world. He was able to make that his, his choice in it. Exactly. And that's a testament to how to make, how to do work with ghosts responsibly. And Poltergeist is, I'd say, on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. It's a, a movie about people manipulating ghosts and making those ghosts angry and pretty much everyone suffers the consequence exactly and you have the innocent actors that take the heat from these ghosts because the one thing that i think should be very clear to everybody that listens about hollywood about movie sets is that when you say a line let's say your line is you know these goddamn ghosts right? Okay, even better. This is an, an actual line that happened. The relationship between Samuel L. Jackson and snakes is volatile. He can't go hiking 
in the Los Angeles Hills without rattlesnakes coming after his throat. Because on the set of Snakes on a Plane, he said, I've had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. Now, if you think that they had to say that one time, you don't understand what acting is. You don't understand rehearsal. You don't understand intention. And you don't understand professionalism. Samuel L. Jackson said that probably a hundred thousand times, that line itself, over and over again until he had it just right. And then they filmed it, and they probably filmed it 50 times. What do you think that does to the snake fandom of Samuel L.? When, the, you know, somebody gets a shaky hand camera of him saying that. They, they hate him. And that's, that's what ghosts have to deal with, too. Some people saying, oh, these GD ghosts. I hate ghosts. In a, in a poltergeist movie, they had to say that. Now, what do you think the ghost did to them after hearing that for the hundredth time in, the, in one hour? Of course there's going to be damage. Of course there's going to be retaliation. You can't expect to provoke something over and over again without some kind of reaction. That's just physics. So these poor actors got the, the raw end of a stick. Meanwhile, the man at the top, the actual master who's, who's the maestro, is working as almost a puppeteer. And Rob, I think, you know, when, when you were talking about the director, Tobe Hooper, you, you unearthed some, some hard truths. So let's get into that, unless you want to watch a, 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 quick, a quick scene. Definitely. I think the perfect intro to that is to just watch a quick scene. We'll, we'll analyze it. We'll live react to it. Mm. And, then, and then we'll dive into the director, Tobe Hooper. So hold on to your butts, as Samuel L. would say. Mm -hmm. How do you know? Because I can count. Okay, we got methods. You know what you do? He's in the scene. When you see the lightning, you count until you hear the thunder. It's a magical you count ritual. Each time that means the storm's moving away from us. Want to try it? Okay. Get some light. He's conjuring lightning. Wow. Wave coming. Now this character is named Steve. Am I? Am I? Yes. Not mistaken, okay. right? Yes. So Steve is conjuring lightning. We just saw the lightning flash. Three. Three. Five. What's after five, though? It's yep. for you. Well, you tell him to take a message, sweet pea. I don't want to take a message. She's talking to ghosts. Clearly. You guys didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, look at that. They have the ram's hat. The ram, the goat. Mm -hmm. okay. Right, Satan. Not angel. Dreams, okay? Just called her an angel. Night, right wow. And he's just conjuring lightning and lightning. Two. More and more. Wow. And he's nodding his head. Mm -hmm. So satisfied. Very smug about his powers. So Steven Spielberg wrote himself oh, yeah. into this. She was watching porn, I think. Uh, yeah. Got phone data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's cool with Again, it, though. More, yeah, more, more rituals, right? Right. One, two, three. Uh oh. Four, five. That's on the sixth second. Yep. Yep. And now, 
it's instantaneous, the lightning and thunder at the same time. I think he was teaching his children how to conjure lightning in that scene. Mm -hmm. You know? Wow. And now they're all sleeping together. And of course you hear the the horns. Now this is an old spell. Uh, Nationalistic, sure, but also there is implications of war, implications of death, mass death, and so this is why you have these violent ghosts appearing at night because you have the national anthem playing. And look, this girl is going to get sucked into the TV or something. I mean, that's why you never play the national anthem at night. Mm-mm. You're only going to awake all the ghosts of the veterans, the civilians who've all perished. Everybody. The violence caused by the United States. Exactly. And, and you're talking hundreds of years of, you know, structural and just chaos so you have to be careful when you're once the sun goes down you know only listen to star spangled banner no national anthem right it's 2 37 in the morning so minute past two three six channel three right 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 i hear you doing the math in your heads yeah and here we go it's showtime now in order to to, to do this they had to wait until 2 30 in the morning to film this just like E.T., you know how they filmed that all in, in chronological order? They did the same thing for this movie. Now, I'm, I'm glad to know now that, you know, I've seen this film. I'm very glad I, I don't have sensitivity to flashing lights. Yeah. I, you know, not everyone in our community, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in our community that are sensitive to that. So, big warning watching yes. this film if you're sensitive to lights you're going to want to skip this scene uh you know it, and it's really again reckless for them not to have a giant warning sign before this scene started warning flashing lights are about to start happening mm-hmm. and and ghosts but yes flashing lights too and you know these poor these poor actors like we said earlier they had to sit there while getting flashed like that for hours if not days Whoa. Oh my goodness, I just felt a chill. There was yeah. a hand that reached out of that television. Now, we think we know who that hand is. Mm. Yeah. And we, we'll get into that. Yeah. You see that hand, you see where it's, where it's going. Oh my god. The little girl is obviously doing that. That's not the ghost, that's a little girl. There's the line. Wow. Wow. Right there, that little girl basically caused that entire thing and then blamed somebody else. Classic children. What are you going to do? They're scamps. And this is complete foreshadowing from the scene before, right? The dad is teaching his children how to conjure a spell. Mm-hmm. And then he just goes to bed and goes to sleep. Meanwhile, the daughter that he just taught magic is now conjuring even larger spells than this guy could even imagine. And that's the, the power of children. I think that's why Spielberg used so many child actors, because he knew that they, they had the power to withstand larger entities larger ghosts i mean if a if a normal you know adult 
would, were to see an ET, their head would explode. You had to have a child that believed in fantasy to, to work with an actual alien. And it's the same thing with ghosts, same thing with poltergeists. This little girl, may she rest in peace, you know, had the energy to deal with the ghosts and not be killed sight unseen. Of course, this sadly eventually did end, end up with her dying. But at the time, and this is why I think Steven Spielberg is becoming one of our, our focuses of, of this uh, show, is that he chose these, these actors for that reason, and he let them, you know, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to say he let them die, but... Th they were it, definitely collateral, right? He's like the dad that fell asleep at the wheel. Uh, and now the car's driving off the cliff. Yes, yes. Gosha would not approve of this at all. And I think that's where, you know, I, I almost forgot that Gosha was a was an organization and they did not approve this movie. And we have to remember that that matters. Just like when, you know, the J.D. Power and Associates car award, that matters. Every year they award it to a car, you better believe that, you know, people, the stock market in the ghost realm also changes. So just because you don't think it matters, Gosha still has an opinion and it does matter. And they ignored and Spielberg, I think most of his movies are not Gosha approved because he uses his actors that way. And actually not only his actors, but Rob was saying even his directors, because this movie is not his movie that he directed. Tobe Hooper directed this movie. Or did he? is what we're going to be getting into. Exactly. You know, exactly. And and some of you in the scene may recognize the name Tobe Hooper. If you are fans of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, if you're fans of Funhouse, um, you know, he directed those two films prior to, to Poultry Guy. So you think, oh, this guy got, you know, he's, he's not nobody. Uh, mm -hmm. He's directed some successful films in the past. Uh, what do you mean that Steven, obviously he'd be able to hold his own against Steven, another director. Granted, you know, like E.T. hadn't come out yet, so Steven Spielberg was popular. You know, he had, he had Jaws. He, he wrestled with, with live sharks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they knew that he was a, a pretty strong guy. Um, but nowhere near. Like, you know, this is, this is really the year that, that really catapults him from you know, a director where at that time, I'd say he was no more successful than Tobe Hooper was, right? These, Ooh, these yeah. people at the same time seem to be on equal footing at this time. Well, and this yeah. is the inflection point. Exactly. This is where you see the exponential happen, where you start to see that because of his, his relations with other people, when you combine your magic ability, like Rob and his wedding and his marriage, like Rob and I with our podcast, really, you know, when you combine powers, that's when you take off. And so you have Spielberg at this time in this era working with directors like the guy who, who did the Goonies, right? Like people that, I think his name is Richard Dorner. 
Um, all of these people, of course, bring everybody up. They raise everybody's skills. And so we have this moment where he's not allowed by the Hollywood machine, and yet he's a maverick. And his power is almost at, in, you know, to his, per, uh, when he's perceiving it, is almost endless. And so we see the hubris, right? He attempts to make this movie. And what happens? A whole lot of bad stuff happens. And like we said, you don't want to blame him for it, right? Because he didn't make the ghost do it. But also, he didn't protect his, his people. And Tobe was also a recipient of that chaos. I mean, I'm going to go one step farther. Not that he didn't protect people. But Spielberg was carelessly using magic in a way that hurt other people. You know, I don't know if, if malice was necessarily in his mind, but he was using magic. It wasn't as if magic was just, you know, ghosts were just happening and he turned an eye. He knew that he was putting people in danger, right? So, you know, Steven Spielberg, at the same year as this is being filmed, he's also filming E.T., the extraterrestrial. And he was told he couldn't direct two movies at once, even though he, know he, he knew he could. So, but here's the thing about Spielberg. He doesn't always play by the rules. He's going to direct this second movie, you know, whether, you know, rules be damned. And I, and I, and I don't use that word damned lightly because I believe, and I think the evidence points to, of nefarious, you know, dark arts, to achieve that goal. And specifically in the realm of possession. Wow. That is very serious and yet 100% believable. That's the truth. And when you look at this movie from that angle, you start to see who the real monster is. And it's not the ghosts because the ghosts are just reacting. I think it's, it's Stephen. Right. I mean, here, take this as a quote from Stephen. Yes. About the making of this film. This is from the man himself. Quote, Tobe isn't a take charge sort of guy. If a question was asked and an answer wasn't immediately forthcoming, I'd jump in and say what we could do. Tobe would nod agreement. And that became the process of collaboration. Now, he's not going to tell us directly, but let's read between the lines here. Mm-hmm. Someone on set would say, hey, Tobe, you know, director, how's this scene going to look? And somehow, you know, even though this man is, you know, experienced directing other popular films, his tongue was tied. Couldn't, he couldn't say what he wanted to say. Right. But other words came out. And that's, the, that's the strange thing. Those words came from Steven Spielberg, mm. essentially directing the scene over we have another quote this is from one of the actors she actually won she's the only person from this cast that won an award she won a saturn award you said that's correct wow the planet saturn gave her this award zelda rubenstein i can tell you that steven direct directed all six days i was there i only worked six days on the film and steven was there okay six days Tope set up the shots, and Steven made the adjustments. You're not going to hear that from Tobe. 
you'll hear it from Zelda, because that was my honest-to-God experience. I'm not a fan of Toe Cooper. And someone said, you're not? Zelda, no, I'm not, because I feel he allowed. I don't know how to say this. He allowed some unacceptable chemical agents into his work. I felt that immediately. I felt that when I first interviewed for the job, Stephen was there, Tobe was there. Two casting people from MGM were also there, and I felt at the time Tobe was only partially there. That's from Ain't It Cool News. So Tobe wasn't even there, and he was there. So you got to read in, in between the lines. She believes it's a chemical agent. Rob, I think we know better than that. I mean, but you also have to uh, take it from the perspective, too, of, you know, she was a child at this time, and she was only reacting to the information available to her, right? Mm. Um, she smells a chemical agent, and that's why I think that she, down deep, knows that something was up that she couldn't explain, because she's purposely vague. You know, most people say, "Oh, he, she's probably saying he's a drug addict." You know, he's smoking, smoking the, the marijuana, smoking right. the reefer, dancing with the devil's devil's cabbage, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, cocaine, right, right. But she didn't say any of that directly. You know, she has to be a little bit more vague of it because. Looking back, she might go, wait a minute, I know it smelled funny, and he was acting funny, but I'm not sure what it was that I actually was smelling. And it's very possible that she was smelling some other substance, mm. a sage, if you will. Right. You know, some kind of holy oil or some kind of bounding, binding, you know, tincture, you know, moon water, sun water. There's all kinds of stuff that she could have been smelling that her nose, untrained to the occult, would not be able to pick up. And she could have, you know, been thought, thinking, oh, he just smells like methamphetamines or something. When in reality, it's, it's black sage and jasmine from, you know, from the sands of Egypt, where, where Rob is right now. So this is just because not everybody is a paranormal expert like us. So we have to give them the benefit of the doubt that they didn't have all the information that we do now. But we can surmise that when she says that he felt that he was only partially there, it's the simple fact that he was not allowed to be there. His body was there, but somewhere in his mind, his soul was trapped. And I think it's clear to see that Steven Spielberg was the one who trapped him. And if you need more evidence, I think we can just go to the tape. You know, you can hear us talk on about it, but the reason why you came here is to get some cold hard evidence. So let's let's roll the, the film and yeah. um, have some comment on it. And really, Spielberg, this you, you see him all over. You see the kid having fun, and you're going to see that things go south, and Spielberg was behind the camera egging it on the whole time. All right, again, you see the dad, well, I guess I Steve. You that, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, we keep the room locked. Uh, I was saying he's been subtle house, so. before, but this is so on the nose. Like, the text never lies. Right. Robbie's sleeping with us now. 
Robbie? Dana Welsh. I didn't realize the kid's name was Rob. That's my name. That's your name. Have you recorded in the room? We don't go in the room. Anymore. This is a paranormal investigative team right there. That's basically us from the past. Record any psychotronic energy or event. Yes, psychotronic, that's scientific. Spielberg must have known of our upbringing because right. he made the child's name toy. Robbie. A very mm -hmm. small matchbox vehicle just rolled seven feet across a linoleum surface. Seven the duration feet. of the event was seven hours. Seven hours for what? For the vehicle to complete the distance. Of course, this would never register on the naked eye. But I have it recorded on time-lapse camera. Wow, it seems fantastic. Pro, right? The, the uh, battery life for, uh, for a seven-hour camera in the 1980s must have been the size of a giant car. The battery they used. Wow. wow. It's like a, a, a clown sitting on the bed in a tornado. Kid, um, kids' rooms are so messy. I mean, that's... Okay, I mean, this... I mean, the madhouse. Just like my bedroom when I was a kid. What? Yeah, I mean, didn't, didn't your bedroom just have, like, the, the clutter just, like, spinning around in, in hurricanes? I mean... I mean, like, my, my, yeah. go clean your room, it's a mess. There's there's a record flying through, the, through the air. I mean, that's... That's what happened in, in your house, right? My house was usually just uh, really foggy, a lot of smoke. I felt like it was, it was constantly on fire, but no, nothing floating like that. Nothing that I could see. Really? I mean, Rob, did you have a poltergeist in your house? I mean, not that I, I mean, we'd, that I would, we would talk about. Like my, my parents just said that, you know, Things would just fall off because you know, the gravity was just a little bit heavier in certain rooms. Well, that that could be true too, right? So I, I wasn't sure what to what to believe. I mean, and then there was my friend that I talked to at night that I, that I never saw, but you know, he was he was hanging out, like a walkie-talkie kind of thing. No, 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 like just in my room, like um, you know, you had a phone phone in your room. No, 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 no phone. There was no phone line there. Um, plus, you know, my, 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 my dad would use the computer late at night for some reason. And so the, the lines were always tied up. Oh, computer, eh? So uh -huh. it sounds, it sounds like you've had paranormal experiences in the right. past. I mean, like I would just lay in bed. Just let me, exp I'll, I'll just explain it. Explain just it. Lay yeah. In bed, right. And I'd be like, Oh, Hey Steve, how's it going? And he goes, Oh, Hey Robbie. Uh, nice to hear from you. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. What you what you up to, Steve? And be like, oh, you know, just working on some more projects. And be like, oh, that's awesome. What what kind of projects? And he goes, oh, you know, um, you know, it's something something for the kids because because I really like working with them. And I'm like, that's great. Can I be work with you? And he says, just one day, one day you will. Now you know that the guy, his name was Steve. Well, no, because this is my first time I've ever seeing this movie. Wow. I mean, okay, everybody, for people that don't don't already get this, the, the puzzle has, has finally been put together. Rob, this movie is about you. What? This movie is about you, Rob. No. Wait, yeah. there's, it, it's just about a, a person that, that goes through the power of a movie, gets sucked into the ghost dimension. I... That, that happened Wait, to you. No, that did happen to me. That, that already happened to you. That was like in our first season. Three years ago. Wait a minute. 
Wait, did Steven Spielberg predict Ghost in the Scene? I just think that Ghost in the Scene is a multidimensional platform. And I think that people have been waiting and almost prophesizing us our triumphant, not return, but maybe return. Maybe Ghost in the Scene is older than you and I. I mean, I, I don't know how old you know, this is gonna, this is gonna last, our empire may last, but what if we already did this in a previous life? And Spielberg, being the occultist that he is, was able to see that and then predict it was gonna happen again. Wow, and it brought us forth through this spell. I, I have very conflicting feelings about this, Geo, because I was fully prepared to have this be a ringing indictment on Steven Spielberg, but here I am learning that the only reason why I'm here being able to criticize him yeah. is because he, his spell... He put you on this path. Put me on this path to, to do this very thing. That's a tough dilemma, Rob, because you want to you wanna give truth to power. You want to give the hard truth and you want to call him out. And yet here he is giving you the keys to the kingdom in 1982, showing you you know, the ability to go back and forth because this girl, this little girl, she goes in the spirit dimension and she comes back just like you came back. So he showed you how to come back, even though you didn't. And that's the sad part. You didn't never watch this movie to get the lesson. And yet you still did it. You did it because, you know, we had, we had love for you. The GoFundMe, of course. Yes. Uh, the, the very successful. Thank you very much. Thanks to Bill Yates or, our main sponsor on that mm -hmm. um but i mean i don't want to get too far off the course because this is really, like really this is huge this is really huge this is our origin story or i mean at least yeah right i mean a part of it exactly a pillar of ghost in the scene comes from steven spielberg reading the tea leaves and maybe bringing forth us maybe earlier than than we should have come Maybe that's what it was. You know, maybe he had to jumpstart your early life just so that he can, you know, be sure that we're ready for whatever's going to happen for 2020. Exactly. And maybe I didn't see this movie because, you know, subconsciously I've already lived it. You lived it. Yeah. I mean, he probably read to you the script as your imaginary friend or your ghost friend when you were sleeping in bed. So you probably already knew the movie. I mean, this is huge, Rob. And, and to think that you've never seen it, I think we should do an entire live watch of this movie together. And you could just start calling out, hey, that's, that's Peepaw. Hey, that's, that's my Nana. Hey, you'll, because I'm sure everybody in this movie has a real life connection to you somehow. So I think uh, we have to do that at some point. Yeah, I mean, definitely everyone stay in the scene for that. Like, we might have to, it might take us a, a little bit because I'm worried about just now knowing the power of, of this it's a little moment, too real. This movie. Because I, I, here we go producing a show. I had no clue how intimately connected I was to this. I, I'm afraid that we might blow the servers just by showing these few clips. Yeah. So I'm, we're going to have to come up with some sort of whole lead chamber 
that that, I, that we can broadcast from. If, if we could uh, find some way to invest in lead 3D glasses, leaded 3D glasses where, where you have thin, you know, slivers of lead that you could see through, um, you'd have to make sure that, you know, it's not in any way detrimental because lead is very bad for you. But if we could find a way to make it safe, because that's the only way to make sure that the ghosts don't get into your eyeballs. And that's the, the most dangerous thing for your, your safety, for your health, to have haunted eyeballs. So yeah, let's do this um, the right way, the safe way. And um, until next time, guys, I just want you to be very careful because when you watch movies, people don't realize that movies have deeper implications than just entertainment. Sometimes even a movie that's just a, you know, a regular cult classic family movie about ghosts turns out to be a true story about your life. And that happens way more often. You know, I watched the movie Cool Runnings and that was about my next door neighbor. You know, all the time I didn't realize Cool Runnings was about my next door neighbor. So that's the kind of stuff that we have to deal with, the synchronicity. You have to be aware that you could your movie could be uh, Happy Gilmore and you don't know it. And you could take the lessons from Happy Gilmore and apply that to your life. So, um, guys, stay in the scene. Happy almost Halloween. Keep your eyes on the screen, but wear protection, too. You know, wear, wear those glasses. If you have lead 3D glasses, that is the safest way to, to keep your eyes on the screen. But be aware, right? We're not saying also shut yourself off because, you know, we learned. I learned so much about myself today. And with that knowledge, you know, knowledge is power. And I feel more powerful. Um, you know, this whole show is a ritual. So thank you, all of you for going through this ritual with us. We feel your power. We are giving you our power. You know, I started off this whole episode talking about rituals of being together. So, you know, shout out to all that, all the important people in my life, especially my wife, Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm. Um, you know, shout out to Camille and Sydney again for yes. being such wonderful guests. And I guess I got to do a shout out to Steve, Steve Spielberg as well, because uh, you got the ball rolling. And like we said, if we're all in this together, we are all in this together. That's right. Steve, you dodged the bullet this time, buddy. But if we you know, investigate uh, the kingdom of the crystal skull, um, the gloves might, might come off after that. So, you know, you, you're lucky this time. You know, we love everybody here and we will see you next time. Take care.